The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. My days working and taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here with Joe Volpe. Joe, what's yes. going on? 
Not much, man. Um, you know, no leaks over here, so I'm good. Yeah, Joe's referring to I have a leak in my ceiling as of right now. Uh, but you know, I'm dedicated to the podcast. I call the HVAC guys. Hopefully, they're coming. Up, they'll be on their way soon because uh, there is water coming through my ceiling right now. So hopefully, we'll be all right. You, you know that meme where the guy is just sitting having a cup of coffee, like uh, in like in a, on a, in a house, like engulfed in flames. Like that's that's oh, kind of how it's I, like the dog or whatever. And yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that. That's kind of that's kind of how I feel right now. Like everything's oh, fine. Okay. Like everything's perfect fine. move for the podcast. <laughs> all right well uh you guys are going to be amazed uh how well i keep my shit together so it's going to be uh i just want i just wanted to point that out uh we're, we're gonna talk it sounds like we're the words gonna... of a guy who's not keeping his shit together <laughs> no 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 that's just that's just not true um so we're gonna go over the afc north this week we went over the afc east uh what did we do last week afc what? west yeah, yeah, we did AFC West we last debate week. about all the Raven Raiders player news. Nobody cares. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay. Well, I think there's gonna be a couple debates in this one too. Um, oh yeah. This week. Um, so this week we're gonna go over every position on the Steelers, Bengals, Browns, and the Ravens. Uh, you know, to see who's fantasy, who we think you know are, is gonna be the most fantasy relevant. Who is a value? Who are we avoiding? Who are we aiming for? Who do we think will take a jump? So these are the guys that we're going to talk about this week. I hope everybody's doing well uh, this week. I hope hope everyone's summer is going well as well. Oh, wow, that's a lot of wells. Um, It's probably because uh, I'm creating a well uh, in my office with all that water uh, coming down the ceiling. Um, So let's start with the Steelers, man. Um, Quarterback, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, he's had his up and downs, you know, throughout his career in terms of fantasy. Literally, you know, we used to say that if he's at home, play him. If he's away, don't play him. Um, but now we just say don't play. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) At this point of his career, you're probably not going to be playing him. Uh, the offense likely won't be as pass heavy as it has been over the past few seasons with the offensive coordinator change. Uh, they just drafted Najee Harris, obviously. Um, so they're going to want to run the ball a little bit more. Um, but yeah, man, uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger kind of at the end of his career, this might be his last season. It's very possible. That Every this year. Is his last season. Yeah. Yeah. No, right. Um, <laughs> more like this should be his last year, right? For the sake of these wide receivers, uh, you know, and, and their upside, you know, being hit, the hope is that he does retire and they bring in somebody who is capable, obviously, you know, going going from Ben Roethlisberger to like, you know, a not so great quarterback, like Dwayne Haskins. uh, I don't know if that's a huge upgrade for these wide receivers, to be Mm -hmm. honest with you, because Ben can at least be relatively accurate, you know, short to intermediate right now. So um, let's, we're not going to, draft Ben Roethlisberger this year, guys. Uh, it's just not going to happen. We, we, he's not going to be too fantasy relevant. He'll have his games. Uh, but Najee Harris, let's move on to him. You know, we talked at length about Najee Harris throughout the offseason just because, the, you know, he was one of the best running backs drafted this season. Uh, moving into that Steelers coveted, you know, Mike Tomlin loves that workhorse role, right? So we know that he's going to get a shit ton of work, a uh, ton of snaps, and he's going to be very, very involved in the passing game. Um, so is he, uh, almost a lock because of volume to be an RB one this year? Um, you know, I, I think maybe in the lower end, 
I, I definitely think it's going to be about how they use him, right? Like, I nobody's not predicting a workhorse season for Najee Harris, but they did lose a lot of offensive linemen, and that's going to play a part into his efficiency. I mean, they lost Villanueva, they lost Pouncey, they lost the Castro, and they didn't really plug those holes too well, just like your ceiling. So it, it just... And when it all comes down to it, I mean, how effective is he going to be on the ground? Are they going to be able to establish that run game? Um, and you know what? Honestly, when you think about it, I think they will, right? Because that defense was one of the best defenses in the NFL over the first half of the season. So, yeah, a strong defense allows for a healthy run game. Um, efficiency or not, he should get in the following to be a running back one. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I can totally see like a, you know, a 50 cap season for him, you know, even in yeah. his first year, Ben doesn't have the arm to chuck it downfield. He's going to be dumping it down a lot, I think. Um, and I think, you know, he's just going to benefit. Uh, I can totally see a 300 touch season for him, you know, 250 carries, 50, 50 receptions, something like that, you know, to, to keep it, you know, very uh, simple. Right. I think that's kind of the the type of workload that I foresee. I don't see a 300 carry you know, type of workload for him plus receptions only because I don't think they're going to depend on the run that much uh, because they, they their offensive line is in shambles right now and they're not going to, you know, want to, you know, depend on that line to get production. Uh, I can see the short passing game being a thing. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I think Najee Harris is going to be up there uh, in, the, you know, near the league leaders in terms of like, you know, maybe top 15 in receptions among the running back, among all running backs, Really, because like, what is the better one of the better ways to you know overcome a bad offensive line? It's a lot of checkdowns, right? Um, and, and I think that's going to happen. Checkdowns to him, Juju, Deontay. That's kind of how I, I foresee it. So let's let's transition into those wide receivers now. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool uh, having that big rookie year, and Juju Smith-Schuster coming back on their one-year deal. Uh, after a lot of people thought that he wasn't going to come back to the Steelers. Um, He had had a few offers elsewhere, the Ravens, the Chiefs, uh, but he decided to stay in Pittsburgh because he wanted to continue to build his brand there. Um, So how do you you look at, how do you foresee the Steelers wide receiver situation uh, playing out? And how do you rank these guys in terms of uh, consistency, in terms of ceiling, and just in terms of overall uh overall numbers so for me a lot of this is going to revolve around Deontay Johnson being my favorite easily uh 10 plus targets in 10 games that's 62 percent of his games he was getting targeted over 10 times and his average depth of target was about eight yards so you know it's not like he was getting targeted downfield and like you said with these checkdowns Deontay's gonna be the guy for Ben going to this year um Juju, like you said, he, he he had offers for more money, specifically for the Chiefs and Ravens, but he ended up staying in Pittsburgh for an $8 million deal. Chase Claypool going into his second year. I think really when it comes down to it, um, Deontay and Claypool are the ones I'm going to be targeting. Deontay, like I said, I think he'll be the target hog. Um, you know, as long as he doesn't have too, too many drops this year. Uh, he, he should be fine and a healthy wide receiver too, if not low end wide receiver one, which is very possible. Um, Claypool, he's got that huge upside as that deep threat. I know, like you said, Ben's not going to be throwing the ball that deep anymore, but I think they're still going to get a few plays in deep because last year, Ben's first year, like he had to learn how to throw the football again. And then they threw the ball 652 times, which is way more than any other team in the entire league. So 
as much as they are trying to preserve Ben and avoid him getting hurt, there are going to be design plays for Claypool on the outside. Um, one of the things that we talked about a lot is the fact that the Steelers were last in play action plays last year. I think that's something you've brought up a couple of times. That being said, with the addition of Najee Harris and the ability to establish that run game and having a guy like Chase Claypool on the outside, doing more play action passes is definitely going to be something that they can do with Matt Canada there as well. So, um, you know, it's Claypool has that big upside and then Juju's kind of the odd man out, right? Like he wasn't supposed to really be on this team. Not that they didn't offer him a contract or anything, but they're just kind of like, all right, if he'll take eight nil, like he can stay on the team. And last year he was the odd man out too. Uh, he had a lot of touchdowns. That's where a lot of his production came from. I don't know. I mean, when it comes to throwing short, it's going to be between him and Deontay. But at the same time, like if I'm picking one of these guys to be the odd man out, it's going to be Juju. Yeah, you know, and you talked about Deontay's, uh, you know, A dot to be around eight, eight yards, uh, yeah. you know, but Juju's was around six. You know, his yeah. a lot of his uses was right around the line of scrimmage. Now, the hope is that with Matt Canada coming in, they get a little bit more creative in the passing offense, more play action, like you said. Uh, you know, target them a little bit more downfield, Deontay especially. Um, but I'm... Uh, I pretty much agree with like almost all of what you said. I mean, Deontay, you know, being that clear number one target, I personally think that he's a, he's a serious value because he's going in the fifth round in a lot of these 12 team PPR drafts. And, and that's just, uh, if you can get a potential wide receiver one, low end wide receiver one, borderline wide receiver one, even mid wide receiver two, like almost guaranteed, I'm going to take it. And like, listen, like Deontay is just a really, really good separator. And you, I'm going to take those guys all day long. I'm not looking at what just what he did last year. I'm looking at the fact that he's one of the best separators in the league. Uh, he, you know, Big Ben trusted him whenever he would listen. He played 13 full games last year, including the playoffs. Ten of them, he was targeted ten plus times. Yeah. So I am, I'm in on Deontay. I'm going to be taking him in like you know like 90 percent of my drafts based on where he's going. Even if I have to take him in the fourth round, I'm fine with that. I really am. Um, as my second wide receiver, my first wide receiver, uh, depending on you know who I draft before him, I'm totally fine with that. Claypool, uh, he's being taken a couple couple rounds later. Um, I'm okay taking him, you know, like in the sixth seventh round, um, if I don't have Deontay already, because you're kind of hoping for a breakout. Um, I just I'm not sure that his upside can be reached this year. I think you touched on that too. So I, I might, you know, I'm not like. Uh, I don't have to grab him this year, but I do know that I, I'm going to have a lot of Chase Claypool, you know, throughout his career. If sure. that makes sense, right? Dynasty, I love him. Redraft for this season, I'm not like amazing, you know, amazingly like optimistic, you know, if you will. I think he'll have a great season, but I'm not sure he he might, you know, break out to the point where I think he's capable of. Um, and like I said, Juju, not so interested in a PPR league. If he slips, I'm fine with it. Um, but only in a PPR league. That's yep. about it. Um, okay, so let's move on. We talked about those those receivers. Um, Eric Ebron is, is their tight end, their main tight end right now. Um, he's going to have his games, right? Uh, sure. But I don't think he's going to be someone that you can count on uh, just because I think that the passing volume in this offense is likely going to come down a little bit. Um, and I do think that, you know, with the addition, you know, with, with Claypool potentially t- – commanding more targets with Najee Harris, commanding more targets, Deontay Johnson, you know, getting those double-digit targets and Juju's still there too. Like, uh, you know, Eric, I'm sorry? And Pat too. Oh, Pat, uh, Freemuth, Firemuth? I keep forgetting. 
and they drafted him in the second round with yeah, all of so, their other needs, you know? Yeah, and, like, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, he's going to be a touchdown guy, right? Yep. If he scores, it's great. If he doesn't, so it's going to be hard to depend on him. Um, okay. Uh, if we have nothing left to, uh, to say about the Steelers, let's move on to the Bengals. Um, Joe Burrow coming off that ACL injury. Um, apparently, he's on track. You know, like, he, he came to OTAs. He's making throws. Like, you know, he didn't have to do that. Right. Uh, he wanted to come back. He wanted to be that leader and he's getting a lot of credit for it uh, from his coaches and players. Apparently his arm got stronger. Apparently he couldn't, you know, he couldn't, you know, strengthen his legs to that, to, to the point where it used to be, at least not yet. Right. Cause he's coming off the ACL, but <laughs> he definitely worked on that upper body. Uh, Cause apparently there's some zip on that ball. A lot of the, his receivers are talking about that. Uh, Tyler Boyd uh, is definitely talking about that T Higgins as well. So uh, I, I think that, there won't be like this huge drop off from Joe Burrow. I just, I have a feeling that um, he's going to be fine. Like he's going to come in and, and do his thing. Uh, and he might even, you know, take a step forward potentially because it's the second year in the offense, right? Uh, his numbers weren't extremely gaudy last year. Um, I think that his touchdown rate was a little bit low compared to his attempts yeah. and his yards. Um, so that could regress, you know, positively. Um, but and, and now look, we got Jamar Chase, right? A, a huge addition who could potentially be their wide receiver one as soon as this year. Um, he still has Higgins, he still has uh Tyler Boyd. So he has a he has several ballers um, you know, on you know, to throw to. So um pass heavy offense. Like when, when he was the quarterback for their team last year, they were extremely pass heavy. I think they were the second overall uh they were second overall in terms of pass attempts per game. Yeah, it was four hundred and four um attempts in just under 10 games yeah that's that's crazy well what is that on that's on pace for like 650 right 700 something like that 675 yeah, curious about that divided by let's see how good my math is times 17 we'll say that's over 700 pass attempts on a 17 game pace right right so so yeah i mean you know it's one of those things where like they have more incentive to throw the ball now because they have Jamar Chase now, right? Yep. They, they didn't. They had AJ Green last year, and a lot of those targets, you know, that went AJ Green's way either wasn't catchable. Whose fault? Whose fault was that? I don't know. Um, I gotta pause. So, so yeah. So I mean, AJ Green, you know, he wasn't the most efficient player last year, right? So now replacing him with Jamar Chase, I think, is a, a ridiculous improvement, right? So. I think, you know, going into this year, I think the Bengals offense has the ability to, to really do, put, to put up some big numbers. I think Joe Burrow, you know, I'm not ranking him inside my top 12 right now. Like he's in my, like my top 16 or something like that, maybe top 17. Uh, but he can easily, easily be in the top 12. He can easily be a top eight quarterback, right? You yeah. know, if he reaches his potential so for his second year, right? I mean, obviously his, we know what his long-term potential is, right? Um, are, are you are you on board with that? Like, is, is he a, the type of quarterback who has that type of ceiling this year? Yeah, I mean, upside-wise, um, I have Joe Burrow as my quarterback 12. He fits right into that margin. Um, I've met Stafford right after him. Um, but, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Burrow. I think, like you said, with all those pass attempts and the weapons he has available to him, there's, there's no reason he can't be a quarterback one. It's just, he's got to get those touchdowns and having a guy like chase that he's familiar with there is definitely going to help with that. So yeah, I'm, I'm a hundred percent on board with Joe Burrow being quarterback one this year. 
right, we're, we're gonna hit on uh, your bro Mixon in, in a second, but um, I, I, let's hit these wide receivers since we're already on the topic. Sure. Um, so Jamar, you know T Higgins, you know T Higgins. I, we talked about this a few times over the past few weeks. Somebody um, I'm targeting, you know, he's he's likely slipping a little bit. The more Jamar Chase gets some hype, the more T Higgins might drop a little bit. And I'm looking at, at him, uh, you know, around the sixth, seventh round ish. Like if I see Jamar Chase, if I'm sorry, if I see T Higgins and Chase Claypool, let's say in the at the sixth, seventh turn, right? And I need a wide receiver. I'm actually going to go T Higgins uh, over over Chase Claypool. You, you as well. Yeah, so the reason I'm doing this whole thing is because I would much prefer these Bengals wide receivers to these Steelers wide receivers. Right. And I, I feel like for some – I don't know why people think that's like a controversial thing. Like when you look at the drafts and people view Juju as this potential wide receiver one, which he isn't, Deontay nope. rightfully so in that wide receiver one category. Um, and then Claypool is this like upside wide receiver two slash flex. But in, in the reality of it, like – we mentioned how the pace that Burrow would have been on for 17 games, which was over 700 pass attempts. Uh, the Steelers last year had 652 pass attempts. With that, all of Chase Claypool and Juju and Deontay had over 100 targets. Um, Deontay himself had over 140. Juju had 120. And Chase Claypool just reached over that 100 mark. So who's to say, especially because of the fact that, look, the Steelers, they have Ebron, right? Um, they have James Washington, who's also a capable pass catcher. They had some running backs that were getting involved in the pass game. That's what the Bengals don't. But I, I feel like there's a lot less outside of these three wide receivers in Cincinnati than there is outside of these uh, three wide receivers in Pittsburgh. So more pass attempts, less competition for targets. There's a world where all these Bengals wide receivers have like 130, 120, 110 targets each. Like that's, that's a real possibility. So all these guys just become values like Tyler Boyd. If you can get him later in his draft, he's going to catch a higher percentage of his targets because of the, the, the low a dot that he has the average depth of his targets. So Tyler Boyd's going to be a PPR value T Higgins with the huge upside each week. He's going to be a value Jamar chase rekindling that fire from LSU with Joe Burrow. He's going to be a great pick. So uh, I love all these guys and I'm fine with getting any of them in my draft. It's, it's not even like a an ADP type thing either, right? Because Jamar Chase around the fifth round, I, I like that. You know, I, I think he really has a chance to come into this room and be the wide receiver one right off the bat. I mean, he took last year off. He was preparing for the NFL. He already has that connection with Joe Burrow from college. So I think he could walk right in and be that wide receiver one, especially in the red zone, which is where they struggled last year. Um, T. Higgins, as you mentioned, great uh, you know, great deep threat, whatever it may be. So all, all these guys I'm interested in getting in my league. So I'll, I'll be, hope, I'll be happy to get any of them. Yeah. I mean, Jamar Chase is, uh, I'm guessing that he's likely going to get a lot of number one treatment, you know, like throughout yep. the season. And I mean, both these guys will at, you know, at yep. some point, um, but the, both of them are going to have their matchups. They're good matchups, right. All year long. And I think T Higgins might uh, benefit from a lot of these, bad matchups and i don't think joe burrow is going to shy away from throwing him the ball because they had a really good connection their rookie year um you know he had a better connection with t higgins than he did with aj green um so yeah like you said man like these Bengals wide receivers are are very intriguing um i would love to have any of them tyler boyd going in the eighth round right now in ppr leagues that's easy (laughs) you know what i mean like if you need a ppr wide receiver you know he's 
you know, if he's not a top 36 wide receiver, you know, I think that'll be a little disappointing, you know, honestly, uh, that'll, that'll be a little bit of a letdown. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm fine with all these guys on my team. Um, so let's talk about Joe Mixon, man. Um, you know, we're, we're going into one of his most hyped seasons of his career. Um, and I think finally it's because it's with good reason. Um, like, I think, you know, me, I've been very objective uh, with Joe Mixon, unlike you, but uh, you know, over the seasons where fair. I, I wasn't so high on him last year. Right. Okay. Um, and part of the reason was because of the fact that he wasn't getting all those passing down snaps and stuff like that. I think if Joe Mixon played out the whole season, I would have been proved wrong Yeah. because uh, he had, he was top five in opportunity share in his own backfield. Uh, and that was with Gio Bernard healthy. So I would have been wrong last year. Um, just because he got hurt doesn't mean that I was right. Right. So like that, that, that's not a good argument. Like when people just say because like, got hurt well, doesn't mean I was wrong either. A hundred percent. No, you're right. Um, <laughs> but you were wrong about him playing well. Um, so I'm just kidding. No, I had to do it. Uh, so, so yeah, going into course, this man. year now, the offensive line improved like a bit, you know, um, and, he it will get passing down snaps. The offensive coordinator and you know the, the the coaches are talking about giving him his the highest workload he's ever seen in his career. Um, you know, giving him you know, they, they don't want him to leave the field, and it makes sense, right? Gio Bernard was cut, he's gone. This is Joe Mixon's show, and all the reasons that we just talked about with Joe Burrow and this offense being good, um, high passing volume offense. Joe Mixon's going to get a lot of targets. This is finally the year where he's going to be worth paying for. Please, Joe, the floor is yours. All right. We've been waiting for this moment. Okay. Buckle your seatbelts. All right. So the first thing I love to hear is that Joe Mixon is injury prone, which is absolutely hilarious to me because he had one foot injury last year. And if Joe Burrow didn't tear his ACL, he would have came back. Because Joe, Bur- Joe Mixon was practicing in full. He was ready to come back with his head. You know what? We're just going to hold him this next week, maybe next week, maybe next week. And then they finally lost enough games to be out of playoff contention. Joe Burrow obviously wasn't coming back. They just put a four-year salary into Mixon. They're like, all right, there's no reason to put this guy back out there. Sit for the rest of the year. Come back healthy next year. You're going to be the focal point of the team, right? Um, yeah, I mean, look, I-, I-, I just don't see a way where Joe Mixon is not a running back one. I mean, you talked about the improvements to the offensive line. Uh, they got Riley Reef at right tackle, which is a huge upgrade from Bobby Hart. And that's not even so much like up, like talking up Riley Reef. It's just Bobby Hart is like one of the worst offensive linemen in the NFL. Um, Jackson Carmen, they drafted him in the second round to play guard. You know, it's an additional improvement. He's a run, good run blocker from what I've heard. Uh, Trey Hill, they drafted a center in the sixth round. He could potentially take that center spot because they don't really have someone good in that location right now um but the biggest thing is frank pollock right frank pollock he's this running back coach slash offensive line coach and uh slash offensive assistant like he plays a lot of roles for this team the last time he was with the Bengals was in 2018 where joe joe mixon was a top 10 running back um he only played 14 games and uh, he had 4.9 yards per carry that year. So Joe Mixon had his career year, and that was in a worse situation. That was with a worse offensive line. That was with Andy Dalton starting at quarterback. That was with um, A.J. Green and, like, Tyler Boyd. I don't even know if Tyler Boyd was on the team at that point, uh, or if he was, he was a rookie. So 
they're in a much better situation right now. And without Gio Bernard there, who had 50 plus targets last year. All right, let's, let's break down these targets too. Cause that's another people reason people say they don't like Mixon is he's not going to get the targets. Okay. The Bengals, we just talked about how much they're going to pass this year, how much they passed last year. They won pace for over 700 pass attempts with Joe Burrow last year. Let's say they throw 650, right? Let's be conservative about this. And let's highball it here. And let's say, all the Bengals wide receivers, you know, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins all get 150 targets, which is not going to happen. They're not all going to hit 150 targets. Not impossible, but it's not going to be that high for each of these guys. That still leaves 200 targets available for the rest of the Bengals running back wide receivers, which is going to account for like maybe 20, 25. They really don't have any more. Like Auden Tate, yes, we like Auden Tate, but unless one of these guys get hurt, whatever. The tight ends with CJ Uzama coming off that bad injury and then Drew Sample, maybe 100 between those guys. And then you have 80, right? And this is all completely like lowballing, right? Because the wide receivers aren't going to get that much. There could be more pass attempts. The tight ends might not get that much. So we're in a position where at the very worst case scenario, there's 80 targets to the running back room. Even if Chris Evans and Samaje P. Ryan and whoever the fuck else takes 20 or 30, there's still 50 to 60 targets for Joe Mixon at minimum, at minimum this year. So there's a world easily where Mixon sees 70 to 80 to 90 targets. I don't want to take it that far as saying 90, but it is in the realm of possibilities if they're truly going to be this pass heavy of an offense. Um, that was amazing, man. That was thank impressive. You. Thank you. I was, just, I was, I was surprised. Head. Like, I don't even think you took a breath that whole time. Dude, I don't think I did. <laughs> I was, really don't think I that was great man that was great i'm so happy you had your moment there yeah um, that was nice yeah and, and you know a, a lot of good points there guys so uh, you know i know that you know joe mixon has um you know not do, done his thing and recency I know, I know that, bias dude it's all about yeah, recency bias i know I, I sorry i just I, there's like no, so many please, chains of worms please, that are opening here i please. get messages all the time i posted something about joe mixon getting the biggest workload of his life all the responses I got to that, yeah, until he gets hurt again, until he gets hurt again, until he gets hurt. I'm, I'm like, my response to all of them was like, okay, so you're not drafting Saquon, right? Like, there's no way in hell you're drafting Saquon. And then, oh, you're not drafting Dalvin either, right? Oh, well, Austin Eckler got hurt. You're not drafting him, right? Cam Agers, he was also hurt last year. You're not drafting him. Like, and then it just goes on and on and on. All these running backs have, unless they have a lengthy injury history or they're coming off something like a torn ACL, which is going to make them more prone to certain injuries the following year, there's no reason to think he's at any more risk than any of these other running backs, especially because Joe, Joe Mixon played a full season the year prior to last year. So, okay, that's it. Uh, yeah, I mean, he burned a lot of people, you know, over the years, and I get it. But you have to play every season differently. He's not an injury-prone player, um, and you just have to, like, project forward. You know, not just look at what he did last year, not look at what he did the year before, not look at his efficiency uh, in, in those years. Um Yards at the contact per attempt was fine. His contact balance is good. He's a really good pass catcher. Look at his skills and look at his opportunity going into this year. That's what you should be looking at and, and take what he did in the past efficiency-wise with a green assault. This is a different offense. This is a different situation. Okay. All right, if you're okay with moving on from Joe Mixon, I'm okay too. I mean, I don't want to, but we can. <laughs> Sounds good. You, you brought up Drew Sample and CJ Ozama, uh, <laughs> and you gave them 50 targets each. That's amazing. Um, but right, uh, <laughs> like it's, it's not going to happen, but I'm just trying to lowball it for you know, so yeah, they likely won't be fantasy relevant on a weekly basis. Um, all right, let's move on to the Browns, Baker Mayfield. Um, 
somebody who, you know, is in a pretty efficient offense, you know, he, he reminds me of somebody who can potentially make like a Kirk Cousins type leap in terms of efficiency, right? Uh, where like, you know, he, he'll have his games and maybe he doesn't need a, a ton of attempts uh, in order to be efficient. Uh, but if he makes another jump this year, uh, that could potentially happen where he'll have, you know, three touchdown games here and there, you know, with only 27 attempts, right? It's very possible. And this is the type of offense that could do it. Um, this is turning into a well-run, smooth, old offense. And that was like, one year. And that was one year. And, and it, going into next year, the offensive line is amazing, right? They obviously have Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. apparently, you know, making his way back and apparently looking good and oppressing everybody. Jarvis Landry, um, you know, we know what he is. He's a good wide receiver. Um, they have Austin Hooper. They have a couple, a couple of good tight ends there. Um, so, you know, it's one of those situations where, um, you know, and their defense is good too. So this is a potential, you know, they got to the playoffs last year. They destroyed the Steelers. They were shorthanded, but they still destroy them. Um, and now like, you know, going into next year, these guys could potentially win 12 games again, you know, and then go into the playoffs and then have a little bit of a run. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the chiefs, you know, assuming the chiefs stay healthy chiefs and the Browns in the AFC championship. Um, it's one of those, it's one of those situations where they can beat any team because of their style, uh, because yeah. of the way that they, they play. They're, they're slow. They like to run the ball. They have the a really defense offensive got line. stronger. The offensive defense line good. stayed intact. So it's one of those things. Now, am I aiming for Baker? No. Um, no. Is he a good late round QB two? I think it's possible um, in terms of like two quarterback leagues. Um, Cause he can make a jump. I really do think so. Um, Kirk Cousins did okay with Kevin Stefanski in Minnesota, you know, in the second year. Um, now, going going to these running backs, uh, you know, Nick Chubb is one of those guys, you know, Derrick Henry kind of uh, situation in terms of he's not going to be too involved in the pass game, right? So you're really depending on his workload on the ground and his goal line touchdown or just his touchdowns, right? But Nick Chubb is one of the best runners in the NFL, if not the best pure runner in the NFL, yep. like we always talk about. Um, you know, Derrick Henry, obviously right there too. Like you can't take anything away from him. But the, this offense is based around Nick Chubb, right? Is If you had to name one player this offense is based around, it's not around, it's not based around Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, in my opinion. It's based around Nick Chubb. Because Absolutely. if Nick Chubb, if you remove Nick Chubb from this offense, this offense is not going to run as well as it did. And we saw and that last year. it didn't last year, year. yeah. Um, so... It's one of those situations where Nick Chubb is going to be efficient. If you give him 20 carries, he's not going to get less than five yards to carry, right? He's going to give you hundred yards and he has a nose for the end zone. If you give him carries, if you give him like three or four carries in the red zone within the 20 yard line, this dude is scoring. He's scoring. You know what I mean? Um, he's that good. And he's like the exception to the rule is what I always say. Cause I always want to running back, especially if I'm drafting him in the first two rounds, first 15, 16 picks. I want a guy who's going to be, catching the ball. You know what I mean? A, a lot. <laughs> right. So like Joe Mixon fits that bill, right? A lot of these guys fit that fits that bill, but Nick Chubb is the exception. I'm betting on the talent. I'm betting on the offensive line. I'm betting on the system in this specific scenario. And for him, this is a very, it's a perfect scenario in terms of the, you know, uh, because of the fact that like, he's not ca- catching the ball, at least he has all these other factors working for him. Yep. And I, I think, you know, like we, like you said, he's the fact that he's not catching passes, that's not going to change for 2021. Um, if Kareem Hunt gets injured, though, 
I think there's a world. By the way, they do have Demetri Felton in that backfield, who we um, we talked about in this offseason as one of our potential sleepers in the draft, and he was brought up in one of our episodes. So if Kareem Hunt did go down, there's a chance Felton picks up that role and becomes the pass catching back. But, you know, in that situation, we'd expect at least Chubb to see a little more in that respect. Um, with Nick Chubb, he's well worth a first-round pick because – Plain and simple, you have the best running back, just pure running-wise, in the NFL, in the best rushing offense in the NFL, with the best offensive line in the NFL. PFF had the Browns ranked as the number one offensive line in the entire NFL. Why would you not want that, right? If he catches, what, if he gets 20, 30 targets maybe in a good day, Sure, add that into his value already. But like you said, he's going to get 20, 15, 20 carries a game, even more, should be more at times. And that's going to result in 100 plus, 100 plus, 100 plus, 100 plus, multiple touchdowns. So I have no problem, no problem paying a first round price for Nick Chubb. Um, let me ask you, where do you have Chubb ranked though? Um, I think I have ranked at like running back eight, something like that. I'm in a similar boat. Running yeah, back seven, like eight. But yeah, he, yeah. yeah, but like you said, he kind of breaks the exception. He is yeah. good enough to he, get that first round. Value. He does, he does. Um, and Kareem Hunt is one of those guys, you know, right now he's going like in the five, six turn, uh, which isn't bad value. This is almost no. like he was going, I think, a little bit earlier than this last year. Um, I think people were very discouraged over those few games where Kareem Hunt had that bell cow role and he didn't yeah. do much with it. Um, I don't think that's something that will stick. Like if Kareem Hunt, I think people will be undervaluing Kareem Hunt when this, if this ever happens again, uh, because you want the guys who are going to be able to get the volume. And if he gets it again, he can have a 200 yard game. Like it, it just yeah. so happened that that's how it worked out. These, these, those few games. And, you know, he didn't put out, you know, RB one, you know, high end RB one type numbers, but it, it could definitely happen. He has that type of talent and it just didn't work out for him. Uh, but, you know, he's somebody that, you know, if I need like a RB three or something like that, like late, you know, uh, and, and I, you know, I already have my running backs after guys like Mike Davis and Miles Gaskin is off the board. He'll he's somebody that I'll be considering. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I'd probably rather have Chase Edmonds because I think he might have a bigger role. Uh, but Kareem Hunt is somebody that you know is very involved in the offense, involved in the passing game, involved in the red zone in terms of like catching catching touchdowns and stuff like that. Um, so I'm okay with it. Like he's one of the situations where like he's a high upside flex RB three type of play, uh, week in and week out. Yeah, I, I think he's perfect for if you're going for like a balanced team, if you're going to go two wide, uh, two running backs, two wide receivers, or maybe throw a tight end to that mix in the first four rounds. And then I think uh, Hunt staring at you in the fifth round is great value. I mean, he's a he's a guy that can produce. And like you said, if Nick Chubb gets hurt, he has a chance at being like the running back one. So, yeah, he does. Yeah, absolutely. So OBJ, you know, he, he's coming back. Um from this torn ACL, um, you know, he's going at the six, seven turn right now. There are other guys at that spot that I like better. He's just not going to get enough volume for me. We talked about this last year, a few times where he, he, he was, he's playing the most uh, important wide receiver role on this team, in my opinion, just because off of that play action, he was getting the most efficient targets. Right. And, you know, he would yeah. get two, three, four, catches a game but it would be for like 50 60 70 yards right um but that's just not enough right i, I don't want to depend on efficiency i want volume 
right? And um, he'll likely be a fine wide receiver play, wide receiver three play at times, and he'll score for you and he'll do his thing. Um, but the fact that he's coming off the torn ACL, um, the fact that he's a little bit older in his career and it's not a high octane passing offense, I'm not like extremely interested and I don't see uh, that upside that we're used to, you know, from a few years ago when it comes to OBJ, because, you know, T Higgins being taken only a couple spots ahead of him, you know, guys like Javante Williams being drafted around, around him. I honestly, in a PPR league, I might prefer Juju, you know, I might prefer guys like, I don't know uh, who else Devonte Smith even. Right. Cause I know that he'll be the number one target on his team, yeah. you know, guys like that. Um, so I'm not overly bullish on OBJ and Jarvis Landry, similar boat. Uh, you know, he'll have his games. Uh, but as long as both these guys are on the field at the same time, I'm not sure that either will garner enough targets um, to really do their thing. That being said, if Baker Mayfield, you know, takes a little bit of a step forward, it's possible that these guys can, you know, get theirs here and there, uh, kind of be a little bit touchdown dependent, kind of be efficient, and that's okay. And we might, after like five or six weeks, we might say like, look, these guys are doing their thing. They might not be getting eight, nine, ten targets a game, but on five to seven targets a game, you know, they're scoring a touchdown here and there. You yep. know, they're, they're making big plays. It's possible, but not so, not guys that I'm like overly going after. Yeah, and um, what's interesting here is that like people – usually think of Landry as like the volume guy. And then you have OBJ as like the big play type guy, but in five out of six of the full games that OBJ and Landry play with each other last year, OBJ had more targets in five of those six games. So when it, when it comes to them both being on the field, um, Odo Beckham Jr. is far and away the better choice. It, it's really going to boil down to, can he stay healthy? And like you said, if for Baker to be fantasy relevant, he has to take that next step, right? For Baker to be a weekly option and not just a streaming option, he has to take that next step. And having Odo Beckham Jr. healthy is going to be a huge, huge part of him taking that next step. I mean, last year after OBJ got hurt, I mean, it's Jarvis Landry who, yeah, he's going to do his thing, but like they didn't really have too many receiving threats to allow Baker to flourish in that type of role. So second year under the same system, um, you know, if, if, if Baker does his thing and if OBJ can stay healthy, I think OBJ fully healthy can be a wide receiver too. I'm not going to cancel that out. He does have that persona. He does have that type of profile where he could make that jump, but at the same time, like I, like you said, I'm not going to take him over Tyler Boyd. I'm not going to take him over T Higgins, not over Devontae Smith, a couple of guys. But if I can get him in the sixth, seventh round, I think that's decent value. It's worth taking a shot on. Okay. So as far as tight ends go, you know, Austin Hooper had a decent role. You know, again, one of those high efficient, uh, highly efficient targets going to going in his direction off of play action. Uh, he could see a little bit of a bump in touchdowns, but not somebody I'm, I'm going after. Um, you know, he was really, you know, in Atlanta, a part of the dirt cutter offense um, and a part of, you know, him taking a step forward as well. But in this offense, not extremely interested. I can see him just being somewhat efficient here and there. Um, all right, let's move on to the Ravens. Lamar Jackson, he's a value this year. Like he has the ceiling to be the overall quarterback one. I'm not somebody who likes to take quarterbacks in the first, you know, several rounds. I'm a late round quarterback guy, but Lamar Jackson uh, in the fourth 
like late fourth, like right at the four or five turn in the fifth round, even in, in a lot of leagues, because we know quarterbacks fall in a lot of leagues. Um, in the fifth round, like I'm perfectly fine taking Lamar Jackson. Um, and even in a one, you know, one quarterback league, obviously he'll be in the fifth round. But dude, like I'm, I'm extremely happy with that value value because in the second half of last season, after he came back from COVID, he was just lighting it on fire. He was 80 rushing yards a game, like 26 fantasy points per game in terms of like, you know, when we're talking four point touchdown scoring, standard touchdown scoring for quarterbacks. It, it, it was, it was, it's a no brainer for me. If he's sitting there uh, and I don't love, you know, the, the, the other values on the board in terms of wide receivers or whatever tight ends, um, I'll be definitely paying attention if Lamar Jackson's on the board at that point. Yeah. And the leagues I've seen the mocks I've seen Lamar's a fifth rounder this year, which yeah. is his situation is better than it was last year and you can get him two rounds cheaper. So yeah, exactly. Why would you not? If you can draft a guy at their floor, which is where you're drafting him, why not? Right. That's what yeah. you want to do. Cause you know what his ceiling is. Cause there's a possibility that next year people are paying, you know, a late second, early third for Lamar Jackson, because he just, he won you your league again, like he did. Uh, two, that was two the argument. Ago. That was the argument last year of like he's basically a running back. So why is he not worth grabbing at this point? Right. And uh, then last year, see, like you got to think about it that way. Don't draft the guys at the ceiling. Draft the guys when they fall off. That, 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 that's 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 how you play this draft game, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. Right? Joe Mixon, third round. It's not gonna happen. He's a second. It's not gonna player. happen. He's going in like the, the one two turn. Like by, by August, that's gonna happen, man. Unfortunately, I, just I mean, value, I've been I've been talking about Joe Mixon uh, being a value. You know, as soon as the season's ended, before they cut Gio Bernard. Yeah. And the fact that they cut Gio Bernard is. And gonna... We've been talking about them cutting Gio Bernard for a while too. <laughs> I know, and I was hoping they would not, because then he would be cheaper. Yeah. Right. Like, but I knew that he was still going to get the opportunity share because he got it last year. Yep. So now that they cut Gio Bernard, that made a lot of casual, not to, you know, I'm not trying to like disparage people about being a casual fantasy player. That's what most 99% of us are. But, you know, most people look at that as the signal to buy Joe Mixon. I love how I get you to talk about Joe Mixon again. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so JK Dobbins, Gus Edwards, uh, making up that running back tandem in Baltimore. Obviously this is running heavy offense, but these carries are split right between Gus Edwards, between JK Dobbins and between Lamar Jackson. Right. So it's one of those situations where like, yes, they're the most run heavy team in the league, but they're, they're, it's, you know, Lamar Jackson is going to have 15 to 20 carries potentially, you know, JK Dobbins might even have less than him in some games. Gus Edwards might have a similar amount, but less. Uh, so it's yeah. one of those situations uh, where it's going to be tough to tell, um, you know, who was going to be the guy, but I, you know, I can see JK Dobbins, you know, easily being like a top, like, you know, 20 running back, maybe not extremely consistent because if he doesn't score, you're probably disappointed. Uh, but he's one of those guys, he can win, win a lot of games for you, right? Like it, there's a lot of games where he can get 150 yards and two touchdowns, you know, and win you your league. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the way I view JK Dobbins is this, like, they say the biggest argument people have for J.K. Dobbins nowadays is like, oh, he's going to get more involved in the passing game, so he'll be fine. But in reality, is he really going to get that much more in the passing game? I mean, over the last two years, 51 targets to running backs in 2020 and 52 targets to running backs in 2019. I don't really see that going up that much, especially with the additions of Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins, not that, you know, for week one and two at least. 
And then, um, you know, Marquise Brown is there as well. So, yeah, I, I just really don't see a situation where they throw to the running backs more than they have. Maybe Dobbins sees a larger percentage of that 51 targets, but Edwards is going to get his uh, Justice Hill. He was their pass catcher. He, he's a pass catching running back, and uh, he has a chance at a small role as well. So, you know, that could shave off five to 10 targets, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, that's like 20% of the whole running back target. So, um, I don't see Dobbins improving much in the past catching area. He's being drafted by some in the second round, which I think is ridiculous. And look, as a player and as a runner, he's one of my favorite running backs in the league. But like when it comes to the situation and if like I'd feel comfortable with him in the second, I just don't. I just don't. I, I just there's so many other guys I'd rather take. Yeah, and a lot I think a lot of people are gonna to point to the fact that like he's he was scoring touchdowns late in the season. So if a guy is scoring touchdowns for you consistently late in the season uh, and like, or if he, even if he's not on your team, you're going to recognize that and you're going to just remember vaguely that J.K. Dobbins was killing it, right? Yeah. Like he scored, he scored, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight touchdowns in seven games, right? And yeah. that's including one playoff game. Uh, but look at his volume during that span. 15 carries, 11 carries, 13, 14, 11, 13, 9, and 10 going into the postseason. Not good. How many targets? Zero, zero, one, one, zero, one. He got five binary. targets against Buffalo. He's got binary and, targets. And... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, man. That's a good one. And I'm the software engineer. And I, I, ah. I really appreciate I really appreciate that joke. Yeah. Man. If you end up drafting J.K. Dobbins and he ends up scoring a bunch of touchdowns on this type of volume, like what I just mentioned, like no more than 15 carries a game, then he's in, he's in. There's a situation where you're looking to trade him high because he's not going to be scoring touchdowns in, in every single game, not with that type of volume, and not with that type of passing volume either. So honestly, he's not somebody I'm I'm looking to 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 buy for in redraft next year. Um, especially at his price he's being overdrafted right now um oh, yeah. gus edwards you know i don't blame anybody for drafting him late um you know if if they think that they can get into a scenario where um he can see a little bit of an uptick in work if jk Dobbins were to ever get hurt but at the same time it's one of those situations where he's it's not like he's coming in and getting targets either right no, so um the thing with J.K. Dobbins too that worries me is like I don't know if there's a guarantee that J.K. Dobbins will get 100% of the goal line carries either. Like it's very possible that Gus Between Edwards, Lamar you know, and Gus, vultures yeah. a few here and there, like each of them. And not so, to mention Mark Andrews, that's where he thrives, you know, in that red right. zone goal line area. So, listen, if Lamar Jackson wasn't a run heavy quarterback, I think Gus said, I mean, I think J.K. Dobbins would be like kind of like close to that Nick Chubb type of territory in, ter in terms would. of like he yeah, would. run heavy offense you know offensive line is decent and he's um, talented and enough as a runner to be the exception to that rule he had like what six yards per carry last yeah, year like yeah. he's an exception in in a sense he's, of like him henry a, and chubb are the exception of where they're so good as runners they have great offensive lines they have great scheme schemes to the point where it makes sense where they could produce but that's the only reason we're considering Dobbins in the second and third round this year, right? Like I'm not considering Dobbins the second, but other people are because of the situation around him and because of how talented he is. Yeah. He's a playmaker, man. Okay. Um, another playmaker 
who wasn't making plays early on the season, but started doing it late last season when Lamar started doing his thing is Hollywood Brown. Um, Hollywood Brown going into his third season um, with Lamar, he got hit that screw removed last year. So a lot of people, you know, were hopping on that bandwagon, including myself, uh, didn't work out until I traded him away. And as soon as I traded him away, what happens? He starts killing it. Did I trade him yeah. away? Did I caught him? I think I caught him. Um, uh, <laughs> but, <way> now, <laughs> but now they got Sammy Watkins, right? They got uh, Rashad Bateman. Uh, and these are guys who could potentially take away a little bit of attention, especially if, you know, Rashad Bateman, um, you know, is what I think he, he's capable of being. And that's an alpha wide receiver, maybe not yeah. as early as year one in this offense, but it's one of the situations where defenses might have to like respect him a little bit and that Hollywood Brown might not have to face number one corners and number one coverage and double teams and all that kind of stuff. We can see him being more open than he's ever been uh, in his young career. So I think Hollywood Brown is somebody that I'm interested in, uh, you know, for some upside. I think this is one of the se- one of the years where Lamar Jackson's undervalued. This whole passing offense in general is undervalued. Like if you look look at where he's going right now, Marquise Brown, ninth tenth round. So it's one of those situations where I think there's some upside there. Um, he's going around guys like uh, where's Bateman going? He's going around guys like Jarvis Landry. You know, Antonio Brown, Jalen Waddle, LaVisca Chenault. So out of all those guys, um, Marquise Brown is the most interesting to me. Um, Not to me. Bateman is going in the 14th round right now. Who is the most interesting guys out of all the, the four that I just mentioned? Jalen Waddle? LaVisca, Antonio Brown. LaVisca. Um, interested in those two guys. Waddle, not I'm too surprised. much, but more so LaVisca and Antonio Brown. I'm surprised LaVisca even, is even going that late, according to these ADP rankings. Yeah. That's probably not going to be the case um come 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 july and august uh july starting tomorrow so you know that that'll definitely shift by tomorrow uh, <laughs> but yeah definitely by august i think lavisca i mean the amount that he's being uh talked up in camp he, he's he's definitely going to be um moving up a little bit um marvin jones you know apparently he's making plays in camp too you know mm-hmm. he's always undervalued um, yeah. every single year he's obviously getting older but I don't think there's going to be this clear guy on the outside between uh, between any of these wide receivers. And Marvin Jones can, if he's the cheapest guy, he could potentially, you know, be be, be that value um, on this offense. Um, but Just we're not to talking about the Jaguars. On, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just to add a little yeah, bit on Marquise Brown, uh, he had a 26 percent target share last year, which is pretty nuts, um, considering that he had under 100 targets. I mean, when was the last time a guy had 26% target share and resulted in under 100 targets on the entire year? Like, that's absolutely nuts. But um, Marquise Brown was healthy throughout the entire season. He produced towards the end. And, yeah, I mean, that 10th round price is good. But I think you're still getting a boomer bust guy. And I think Bateman is talented enough and capable enough that if he's – I mean, and I think a really undervalued part – of this Ravens offense is the fact that they'll be running in 12 personnel a lot because although Nick Boyle isn't involved as a pass catcher, he is heavily involved as a blocker. And they like to have Andrews on as a pass catcher and Boyle on as a blocker as well. Um, and, you know, Boyle might end up running a little route at the end of his block or whatever it might be. So I, I think that being said, Bateman on the outside next to Marquise Brown on the outside I think we might see, especially in his rookie year, we might see Brown get the tougher coverage. 
right? Like once Bateman has established himself as an NFL wide receiver one, which I think he will, then I think that's where we see a shift and we see Brown see the better coverage. But I think as of right now, if you look at who's the more established player on this offense, it's going to be Brown. So if Bateman and Marquise Brown are both on the outside, you know, I, I think I'd rather take Bateman in the 14th round. I'd rather take, I know he's a rookie, but at the same time, I mean, I just love the talent. I know you love the talent too with Bateman. And I have I faith that he's going to be able to do something as a rookie. And they drafted him to have an immediate impact as well. So I, I think yeah. Bateman's going to end up seeing the easier coverage. Marquise Brown is going to see less of a target share than he did last year. And, um, you know, if he's still seeing tougher coverage, it's not going to result in any better than he did last year. But I mean, still, he's going to be boomer bust, which is very well worth taking in the 10th round. Yeah, the way I, I think about like between these two, I think that like the coverage will shift between between yeah, the two definitely of them, could. right? And like opposed to like where Marquise Brown would always get the tough coverage, right? Sure. Like, almost every single every single route, right? So like, you know, those windows are going to be there. And maybe a lot of the yeah. windows that wouldn't have been there last year will be there this year. And if they're opportunistic, uh, you know, on those, you know, if they take advantage of those opportunities, I think that, you know, he could score on that long play, you know, more often sure. than maybe, maybe Bateman can, even though he's capable, but I'm thinking about this offense. I'm thinking about Lamar's sure. skill set. I'm thinking about, you know, how this offense uses their wide receivers. Um, but, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm hoping they prove me wrong because Rashad Bateman is that dude. And yeah, um, and I'm, I'm not calling Bateman Stefan Diggs by any means, but I think it's kind of a situation where Marquise Brown is a great deep threat, but I think Bateman's a very good route runner. He kind of reminds me like Keenan Allen type. That's where he got all his comps this offseason. So he can make life easier for Lamar and that could help them click yeah. more. I mean, look what Stefan Diggs did for Josh Allen. That's why I'm bringing that up. So a uh, different type of receiver. And yeah, yeah I'm definitely don't, don't, don't sleep on Hollywood. Don't sleep on Hollywood as a route runner though. Hollywood is a good yeah, route runner, absolutely. like for his size, like his size and the release, you know, especially. He, yeah, man. Like he he's exactly his release is legit. Uh, he knows how to separate, not just on those deep routes. So like maybe yeah. we'll see some, uh, you know, some more intermediate targets for him as well. Um, yeah. Mark Andrews, you know, he is in that conversation of the top five tight ends this year. Um, actually, there's a big drop off after like him and TJ Hawkinson, right? For the most part, because after these guys, um, you know, you're really, you're really choosing from, you know, just random dudes like to hope, you know, just hoping that they would be like tight end section, tight end seven. Uh, yeah. And even if they are, whoever that guy is, it probably won't even matter. There's, there probably won't be that big of a difference between the tight end seven and like the tight end, like 13, 14, right? That difference won't be that high. But I think Mark Andrews might be right at that spot where there's a little bit of a teardrop. Um, now, Andrews is going, I think he's going in the fifth round. Am I, no, yeah, like the four, four or five turn or so. Um, who do you like more? I, I'm guessing you like Hawkinson more than Mark Andrews this year, but I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I just did this long write-up on TJ Hawkinson. Uh, I'm a huge fan of him. Hawkinson's my tight end four right now. Uh, Kyle Pitts, I have him snuck in there at number five, and then Marquis and uh, not Marquis Brown, but Mark Andrews is sitting there at six. I, I don't. The thing with Andrews is, is he still going to get the target share he saw with Bateman, with Watkins, with other options there? Um, you know, ultimately, it's the touchdowns, right? Like no matter what, Marquis, Marquis, I keep saying Marquis. No matter what, Mark Andrews is going to be. A, the top five, top six tight end at the end of the year, just off touchdowns and yardage alone, it's just going to come down to how many targets is he actually going to get. He's going to have five or six games where he gets two touchdowns or one touchdown or whatever it might be. So he, he's going to get his. Uh, it, it's just for me, like, 
the upside of TJ Hawkinson of if he gets his on top of the insane volume that he's going to see. And we could talk about this in like the NFC North or whatever. And then Kyle Pitts, like, I know he's a rookie, but at the same time, like if he hits his complete upside, Kyle Pitts could be a thousand yard receiver and stuff like that. I just don't see a world where Mark Andrews is at a thousand yard receiver. I do see a world where he gets 10 plus touchdowns as he has, but at the same time, I don't know how these other weapons are going to factor in. So I'd rather take other guys with higher upside. And they're all going around the same area. So in yeah, terms of Hawkinson and Pitts. Yeah, I think you nailed it, man. Um, you know, and, and considering the fact that they have more weapons now, right, in Baltimore, exactly. right? They have Bateman, you know, Hollywood Brown might get more opportunities. Um, you have Thailand Wallace, who's legit as well. Like, he's a good wide receiver yeah, that they drafted. Absolutely. Um, great you know, and, and, and a great draft. And, and Sammy Watkins. Just, you know, so, like, there's a lot to go around with not a lot of volume in that passing game. Right. Yeah. So TJ, I mean, uh, Mark Andrews might end up getting like, you know, two touchdowns on like three targets at times. Uh, but, you know, that's his game right now. And that's his game in this offense. But are you going to be able to depend on that? Right. You're, you're literally going to be playing him hoping for touchdowns every single week if you draft. And that's not something I want to draft in the fifth round. Right. Yeah. To be honest with you, I'd rather draft, like you said, like someone like TJ Hawkinson or any of these other awesome wide receivers going around that spot, uh, because uh, there's a lot of guys who can build their um, their output based on volume. Yep. Right. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think we hit it all, man. We, we got we hit. I think we did a pretty good job being somewhat concise and, and efficient on this episode. So. Uh, so thank you, Joey, for 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 being clear and concise on this episode so i'm, I'm glad that we were able to do that um very clear and concise oh wait were we how how clear and concise were we we were extremely clear and concise we were so very clear, clear and concise. concise that's good we were so clear and concise um well, well thank you guys for listening uh we were able to get through that episode despite the fact that my ceiling was leaking and despite the fact that i had a, I had a repair guy come in right in the middle of the episode um so really appreciate you guys bearing with us thanks joe we on tiktok on. You're out for like <laughs> nice, nice all right cool well thank you guys for listening i'm faraz uh i'm at upper hand fantasy on instagram that's joey uh he is on he's on instagram as well at fantasy am, football that analyst um so hope you guys have a good one hope you guys enjoyed the episode we'll see you guys next week with the afc south Woo. so you guys travis etn travis etn <laughs> talk to you guys soon later